Welcome to Empirical Peapod. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. If you could please subscribe, follow, share, like, comment, whatever the hell happens when we do these things. I'm your host, Tim Day. Let's get to the show. We'll check it in post. (laughs) I mean, you know I can remove that, right? Uh, Yeah, I know you can. I wish there was a way to have you just run all the audio and editing in general and uh, somehow not take up your time. (laughs) Well, I mean, it doesn't take as much time as you. I've been cutting music for... Kristen, like, she's teaching dance the camp. Yeah. You know, so she'll, like, be like, hey, can you have, you know, this song, this time frame, this song, this time frame, and I blend them all together seamlessly, and I mean, like, yeah. I do it in less than 10 minutes. Yeah, so that's not too bad. No. All right. Well, let's get her going. Uh, I'm here with Dave Hughes. Yes, sir. Now, this is uh, another fun one because... You are not in our circle of friends, actually. I'm not. I know a lot of the names. Yeah, and well, there's been the shows and stuff throughout the years, and I know you've you've done our albums. Uh, you've played with us for the last year. Was it two years? Oh man, I think the first one was on my birthday at North. Was it North Beach? What was that place called? There was a place called North Beach. Yeah, I played. It was on my birthday. Really? Was like, it your birthday at I, the 23rd? It was just this past Sunday. Yeah, but wasn't didn't we play? Was, the Double Door? The Double Door was, I think, in, like, September, October. Oh, okay, that's right. Yeah, that was, I think, in 2011. But the first time I played with you guys, I only played, like, two songs. I think I played, like, yeah. 57 and... Whatever. I think it was before you guys even wrote the new material, maybe. Or, uh, probably. I, yeah. don't, I don't know. It was so long ago. <laughs> Actually, something popped up on my... Uh, I don't go on Facebook much, but... I get those memories yeah. thing. I, so do I. I never post them, but I see them. 13 years. Yeah. Nope. One of them was just, I think it was, I don't know if it was the, it wasn't the Double Door one, but it may, oh no, it would have been my birthday one. Yeah. Because it was 2010. Happened. Yeah, North Beach. Yeah. 13 years. Yeah, that's it. Well, we haven't, our last show was 13 years ago in September. <laughs> Dude, that's just. It's weird. Time flies. And time does fly. And, and also at this point, me, you, because me, you, and Guy kept playing mm-hmm. off and on for since then. Yeah, and we even we had it's probably been a year now since we've even jammed. Yeah, you know the funny thing is, is I was I talked to Randy uh, recently, and for whatever reason, possibly when we first worked together, you guys were younger than me, not by much, yeah. but enough to where I felt like an adult and you guys were kids. Yeah, because you know, I used to always point that out, too. You know what I mean? I, I still remember the first time, because when we were still just becoming friends, uh, you had made a comment where you're, because I was like, you're such an adult. And you're like, yeah, I don't wear funny sayings on my shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I remember when you guys came in the studio and Randy came in and he came Hungover, sunglasses on. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, who is this, like, rock star, you know? That's my favorite part because Randy's the tamest one. (laughs) Yeah. But he didn't have the, he didn't give me the first impression illusion that he was. I thought he was the prima donna, like, oh, here we go. Like, Uh, you know, but. I wish he was like that for real, where he just showed up everywhere, hungover, everybody will work at his schedule. But my, my mindset is still set to that. So, like, I can't, like, when I talked to Randy and I told him I was, you know, having a birthday and turning 45 and I'm like what are you like 33 he's like dude no I'm like we're all 40 40 I'm like I can't accept that like it doesn't feel right well because that was what 2008 yeah 
So those five years felt huge. Yeah. Now it, it doesn't matter. No, when you're when you're 23 and someone's 28, that that's a much bigger difference than when someone's 45 and you're 41 or whatever the yeah. case. You know what Even I mean? 32 to like 30, you know, eight seems huge also. Yeah. <laughs> but now it does. Now we're just all old and gross, we so are. it doesn't matter. Uh, but what I'd like, I'd still like to follow a similar format yes. to the other shows and. Uh, kind of talk about your journey because you still have a remarkable, amazing journey. Uh, and plus, you've done actually a lot in music in yeah. general. So let's start there. Okay. How did you get into music? Man, so, you know... Because oh, you're also a drummer. I am, yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, say, and then you play guitar for us, and then uh, me, you, and Guy, you do drums. drums. Yeah, so... I guess the way I always put it is I can hold my own at each of the instruments, but I'm not yeah. exceptionally great at any of them. That's how I feel about my life. Like, <laughs> I can hold like, my own in most of it, but... But would you rather be a jack-of-all-trades or just exceptionally good at well, just one thing? I'd rather be a jack-of-all-trades, I think it depends on the thing, honestly, because like I consider myself just okay at bass, and it, that was back when I was good. Now I'm probably awful. No. Uh, at least out of practice, like yeah. taking a little bit, but... I'd rather be really good at one instrument, maybe. Mm -hmm. Not even that feels wrong when I say it out loud. Just <laughs> well, you were you were very like, you know, passionate about like the bass. I was never passionate about any instrument, so yeah. you know, I was heavily into sports as a kid. Um, you know, I, I skateboarded, I played soccer, like, you know, pretty religiously, uh, football, everything, and I dabbled in music. Some of my friends had drum sets or yeah. guitars sitting around, or whatever. And I hurt my foot really bad, um, and and in my downtime, I had this really crappy guitar laying around my bedroom that I tinkered with, but didn't play with that much. Then, you know, I got into some trouble, we'll just say, when I was like 14. <laughs> yeah. uh, my parents decided to ground me, but thank God they weren't very technically savvy, yeah. so they left Nirvana's Nevermind CD in my CD player because they didn't know how to work it. Right. So I started putting headphones on and I kind of realized that I was just able to kind of just play along with it like pick it up by ear yeah I didn't know jack shit about notes or scales right. or anything so a friend of mine was forming a band and uh, I was, was kind of like I'll play whatever he's like you want to play bass and I never played bass before but at that point I was okay at guitar and I picked up bass pretty good, and we had a drummer in our band who was notorious for being like a no-show at our practices. He was yeah. really good. Um, so if he didn't show up, I would go behind the kit. And again, I figured out like, oh, I can play. Like, yeah. Again, not like great, but I could, I could hold my own through most of our songs and whatnot. And then we were lucky enough to, at the age of like 15, I think, um, the two guys in the band who were the quote-unquote founders of the band, they both had good jobs as, like, 15-year-olds and had money, so we got to go to a studio. Oh, wow. And I was only, like, I think I was, it was right before my 15th birthday, so we were young. Yeah. And, like, I fell in love with the process. I'm like, how cool is this? Now, this is, like, back in, like, DAT days, so yeah. digital audio tape. So not right. quite analog, not quite, like, Pro Tools. Yeah. And Using like a four track or anything. Yeah, it was in a guy's basement, but we thought Those it was things like always weirded me out because yeah. they don't make any sense. Yeah, they don't. Like, all. it's four tracks, but like they record them on weird spots in the tape, <laughs> right? And then you have to somehow put it all together. Yeah, I do not miss those days. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> but we, you know, we did like 
four or five songs like and, and you know we took it seriously like we rehearsed uh we played to a click we nailed it um did we you made... pick that up naturally too like because you said you kind of were like a duck to water in a sense with drums but like the the crux is really timing like jay's impeccable because he went to uh lessons first mm-hmm. so i feel like he was built into that immediately did you just pick up natural rhythm and time like that yeah you know and giving lessons you know i jammed with that kid brett um who was amazing it's the thing that I figured out when giving lessons, and I'm not saying this applies to every kid, but it's kind of like you either have it or you don't. Right. In, in other words, if any kid practices enough, they can develop skills to where they can play scales and they're going to sound good. But I'm talking about that thing, like when you put two people in a room, like you and Jay, where like oh, you yeah. guys lock yeah. in and like you just pick up on things like... I had that, like in other words, I was really good at, I could play drums to a click just naturally on time and yeah. not fall off. Um, same with guitar, like my timing and everything, I just picked up really well to it. And again, I never got like hardcore into like solos or right. when I play drums, I don't do crazy like, you know, jazz related fills. or. It's just like know. this amazing, like just a solid rock beat. Yeah which is like the backbone of it. I like it. Like, I, obviously I love what Jay does. Sure. Jay's uh, incredible. But Jay and I can flash together, mm-hmm. but the way that you play is so solid. I could literally do whatever I want in yeah. and around that. And you know, it's, it's interesting not skipping ahead too far, but you know, that that's pretty much what happened to high school, but the defining moment in, in terms of like how I got into recording. And this brings us kind of full circle to Eric in the studio down in Bloomington. I was going to say, did you already know Eric? So I was in college. Um, at that point, I had played in a couple of bands. And you, and you go to school I went to Illinois State for engineering. Well, yeah. So this is before I even went to school for engineering. I was okay. at Illinois State in my undergrad degree. Okay, nice. And this was ninety eight, ninety nine, right around the time. I mean, the Foo Fighters had been around for a couple of years, and I was never a big Foo Fighters fan, but I was obviously a very yeah. big Nirvana fan. Right. And this is also kind of pre-internet and stuff, so it was harder to come across news. But I finally came across an article that basically talked about how he did all the instruments by himself. Yeah. And I'm like, that is awesome. That is awesome. Like, how can I do that? I mean, Prince, Stevie Wonder, people are already... I mean, nowadays you're more aware of it, but like some people don't realize like how many people like are multi-instrumentalists and crazy. So I was talking to my roommate at the time. I'm like, hey man, I I really think it. So I, I wrote... Two songs, two, you know, I can't sing like jack shit. So unfortunately I had to leave vocals out of it. But I had guitar parts written. I had like specific bass parts written. I had a drum beat in my head that I basically like played on the keyboard that I had. Yeah. Just so I didn't go into it blind. I didn't want to, I'm not quite good enough as a drummer just to like wing it. I have to have a general idea of what I'm going to play. So I basically went into practically the yellow pages at the time, looked for a studio. There was this studio in Normal, Illinois, which is right there. And then I booked four hours with them, told him, hey, you know, I'm going to come in with just a guitar. He had a drum set. He had a bass. He had everything I needed. And I remember pulling up. And if you remember, he's in that, like, little building. Yeah. And uh, shout out to Eclipse Studios, Eric Nelson. Um, we recorded our last album. Yeah, he, I, I get there, and this is me being a little bit vain and stuff, being like, what is this? Yeah, this this looks, isn't a real studio. This look well, I hadn't been inside yet. <laughs> yeah. but I was just from the outside. I was like, what? This looks like a little like it it's was very in, unassuming. It's in an industrial park. Yeah. And it's tiny. So, 
but I and, and again, this is before the years of like Google reviews, so I don't know if he's good at what he does or whatever. Yeah. I just knew it was cheap, and he, I believe Mudvayne did their first album. They there. did. I don't know if they did it at that studio, but they did it with him because oh, he Eric. had he okay. had a place in Peoria, I believe. That's right. So I get in there, and then I'm a little bit more stoked about. It. I'm like, okay, yeah. like I see some legit gear, and like you know, it has that studio smell to it. Yeah, like the equipment running, and mm-hmm. you know, and dude, like. I, I did the songs and then he that's that's when I learned that he's like just a musical genius and he's like hey you want some piano on this I'm like yeah sure and then like two seconds later he's got this like beautifully written piano part and I'm like yeah. what the hell he did that even on our last album yep. when we were there where like doesn't ask any questions it's just like oh yeah and like he knows the key he knows the progression yeah, he just does he's it, insane dude. I couldn't imagine being that good at anything and he yeah, he's so grounded about it too, and like he's he's found a niche. And I'm like, you know, without going on a whole tangent about him, like he went out to LA and tried to do bigger things, which he was more than capable of doing. But yeah. I think he realized that like he, it's about him. People don't go to his studio for a studio; they go for him. Right. Um, but so I finished those songs. I was like blown away, not necessarily at my song or my performance, but like. Wow, that's what, me what playing. What turns into is insane. Yeah, it's like that's me playing all the instruments, and yeah. then, and during the process, he was very like open to me, like being a fly on the wall and asking questions, like, "So what are you doing?" And like then he kind of helped me, uh, or I, sh- I should say, allowed me to help him play almost like an assistant engineer role in it, you yeah, because I was really interested. So. I ended up going back to him uh, to do an album with my buddy uh, Nathan, and then me and my friend Giovanni did an album with him when I was actually in full. And so I decided I got my undergraduate degree. You know, I had a job, paid decent. You know, and I was like, "This is it. Like, this is life." Like, yeah. and I was like, "You know, I'm, I'm only 23, so I'm gonna." Talked to my parents. I said, listen, I'm thinking about like attending an audio, you know, engineering school. I had some money saved up. Um, so I moved to Florida and I did that. And I, I in hindsight, I kind of knew like maybe it wasn't going to like turn into like my life career. Yeah. But I just wanted to do something outside the box, something right. different. And I also never did like, anyway, I did well in school um, enough to get by. But I think it was also important for me because it, it gave me like a self-confidence boost because the classes weren't a joke like some people be like audio engineering school but like there was a lot of math classes like there was a lot of you did a a difference like you did labs and classes and it ran around the clock because it was an accelerated course for you to get your degree so like you were like you know waking up at one in the morning to go to a lab from two to four in the morning and i also feel like that's like uh you're also like you're plugging into a structure there but that is a forever thing because it's constantly evolving. Yeah, the technology is changing and everything. Like so, it's not just if you want to stay relevant, you've got to grow with that mm-hmm. constantly. Absolutely. I mean, technology is moving at un- unbelievable. I mean, even looking back to when I was at Full Sail, which is oh my gosh, like twenty years now. I mean, a lot of the techn- recording technology, anyway, still exists, but. At the same time, so much of it has changed, but yeah. that was a I mean, that was a fantastic experience in more ways than one. Um, not only did it allow me to like study something I was genuinely interested in, and I got really good grades, and it kind of reaffirmed me and like, hey, you know, I'm not as dumb as I thought I was. <laughs> like, right. um, and I met some cool people from like 
not only across like the country, but there are international students. And growing up in you know in Naperville and going to school at you know Illinois State, which is basically just down the road, yeah. it opened my eyes to how big the world is. Right. You know, it's funny I mean? to think of like Illinois State doing that. But like it's a really for a lot of people, it's the college is the first time sure. you see like a more of a melting pot, especially being from a small town. Because where'd yeah. you grow up at? Naperville. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, Illinois State I mean, is out hour and a half away. You know what I mean? So um, going to Florida was just one of those things where I, it was just eye opening, and I I kind of knew I wasn't gonna stay. I, I liked it. Um, it was definitely cool, like playing beach volleyball on like Thanksgiving, and you know, <laughs> skipping a couple of winters. But I found myself kind of knowing I was gonna come back home. Yeah. You know. Um, my parents were here and obviously my friends were all here and, you know, but it was, it was an awesome experience. So I came back and I was able to do the music thing for a while. Um, I got a gig, um, with, at this time it was called Studio Chicago. They're no longer in business. I forget who's there, um, now, but, um, yeah, at first I was like an assistant, basically like paid hardly anything, but it got to work on some cool sessions like, uh. Uh, I got to work a session with a saxophone player named Mars Williams, who's part of the Psychedelic Furs. Oh, nice. Um, and he, that was cool. Um, I was in the studio at the same time that Frank Black from the Pixies, yeah. uh, they were in town to do, it was right when the Pixies had reformed and they were doing like one of their first reunion shows at either the Aragon or something. And then, but he was in the studio working on like the Frank Black and the Catholic stuff, which is like his side kind of project that he does. Yeah. Um, so that was cool. but. I mean, honestly, one of the coolest sessions I ever did at the studio was a church choir. Really? Mainly just because, like, we threw up, like, five or six mics in the room, and that's it. Yeah, I was going to say, how do you pick up, because you'd think you just have, not maybe a center mic, but at least a, a, at least three up front, uh, and then you'd have them in a booth still, right? No, we had them in a the big live room. Oh, really? They were like and then would you have mics them. around the room then for... The acoustics bouncing off the walls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it didn't take many, man. It took like yeah. four or five mics, and like, but the sound that these women generated yeah. was like, it was so angelic, and like the harmonies, and like it was, it didn't require much much mixing. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, you could basically leave it alone. I mean, yeah. maybe a few EQ tweaks, maybe a tad reverb, but other than that, you didn't have to do much. But I stuck with it for a while, and. It just got to the point where I realized, like, man, if I'm going to give this thing, like, my all, I'm going to have to devote weekends, holidays, friends' birthdays, everything to make this happen. Kind of an all-the-time job. Yeah. And it also, I kind of, looking back on it, maybe it was, like, a silver lining, but everything was, technology was changing around this time. We're talking, like, 2004, 2005, so, like cell phones are slowly becoming smartphones mm-hmm. and and pro tools was really coming up and yeah. i'm just started thinking about it. i'm like man is this even if i invest myself in this is this going to exist in 10 years i don't know and i'm certainly glad i i mean who knows i could have made a name for myself and went on to do cool things but at the same time i knew the the life i eventually wanted you know wasn't gonna mix well with that lifestyle you know someone like eric nelson who we just talked about like man like he has a great marriage he's got kids he's has grandkids now and like you know that he put he puts in some serious hours yeah late late nights and like 
I implore him for it, but I just don't think it's something I could do. So I, um, I had a bachelor's degree to fall back on, and I came across a job in logistics, which I knew nothing about. <laughs> right. like, I remember my first interview, and the guy was like, so if I asked you what LTL stood for, could you tell me? I was like, nope. <laughs> Hired me anyways. Um, <laughs> you know, hourly job, it was uh, what I call kind of like a career kickoff job, yeah. you know, entry level. Um, you know, he probably figured, well, he was college educated, so maybe he can learn it, which is why they require, you know, a college education. They figure somehow if you went to college, you could learn better, which I think is not true. Because, yeah. um, you know, I hate seeing people denied the opportunity to, you know, move in their career just because they don't have a degree, especially right. when you're experienced. It's absurd. I think we're in the infancy now of that evolving, uh, or at so. least being talked about finally. Yeah. So I think, in, you know, over the next 20 years, it'll, be, it'll look very different. Yeah. I mean, if you're getting a job, like, you know, when you're younger, I, I can understand a little bit more where it has that, like, reassurance to people that like okay this person set forth to like complete something and they stayed on task yeah. and like dependability however you want to call it and obviously if it's a specialty thing if you're a doctor or a lawyer or something obviously like you need continuing education and stuff sure but but there, it's a, there's a lot of absurdity like I, I i did project management for a year but i don't have enough of an education to go and get a new job because one person took a chance on me Right. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, there's that movie with Michael J. Fox, Secret of My Success. You ever seen it? It's a great movie. Way, for any movie buffs out there, it's a sleeper hit. I love my, I love MJ. But he's like, you know, he can't get a job because he doesn't have the experience, but how is he supposed to get the right. experience if he can't get the job? Like, yeah. kind of thing. It's like yeah. that loop. So, but I got the job. Um, it was always meant to be kind of just something to keep a paycheck in my pocket. Um, I was at a Christmas party for the company. I had every intention of like leaving once I found something else. And I started talking to this guy, um, I don't remember his name, but he was like a senior executive for the company. And um, we started chatting and he's like, you know, what's your background in? I said, eh, like, you know, marketing, but analytics, you know? And he's like, well, there's a good possibility our company is gonna be merging with our sister company, which is going to bring a lot of opportunity, especially like in your field, like in analytics. So I was like, oh, okay. So I stuck around and sure enough, they merged. I was one of the first people to move over into a logistics analyst job. And that was 2005. I ended up being with that company until 2017. Wow. And uh, made a jump in 2017 to the company I'm with now. Um, kind of got recruited by a former colleague of mine um, who I worked at the same company with and they had a new acquisition and some growth opportunity and it was just the right time to do it and so I mean here we are almost 20 years I've been in the industry yeah that's crazy I mean, that's awesome uh, it actually brings up a really good point too that I, I really enjoy is because I feel like society really pushes this idea of like live to work Mm-hmm. And I've never, there's not a job that I'm like excited about that I'd be like, oh, this is my dream and I can enjoy this 100% of the time, all the time. Like, I just want to work to get paid mm-hmm. and then do what I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of like what you're talking about is like, I'm sure analytics is not, in logistics is not your dream, but it allows you to afford the life to pursue your passions and, you know, to be with the family and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, 
At the same time, though, I'm, I'm lucky enough to where I, I do enjoy, so I would say my previous job was more, a lot more of a paycheck, we'll just say. Yeah. Um, I worked from home. It was very laid back. Um, this job, um, this company I'm with now, I, I, I actually like really enjoy it just because it's challenging. I get to travel, you know, not too crazy to where I'm gone for too long. Um, you know, and logistics and, you know, transportation, supply chain, at the end of the day, it's not the sexiest, you know, work field to be in, but it's a stable one. It, and yeah. now more than ever with e-commerce and, you know, it's one that's not going away, yeah. you know, um, and it's, it's, it's evolving and it, you know, it presents its challenges and stuff, but yeah, I like it. Um, you know, I, th I think back like, man, what if I was still, you know, working at a studio on Saturday nights until <laughs> 2 a.m.? Like, I yeah. don't know. Well, my life would be different, that's all. My dream job, like, if I could, like, do anything audio-related, it would be doing music, like, picking the music and mixing it and choosing the scenes for movie trailers. That would be really fun, actually. Yeah. Like, watching the movie. Yeah. And then, because I, I love movies, not just sound, but I love movies watching the movie and saying how do you tell a three-minute story without yeah. telling the story yeah. but enough to get the people interested and let's be honest music plays a pivotal role in movies yeah. you remove any song from any key scene of any movie and it uh -huh. changes drastically it's true a hundred percent and actually i got a little taste that even with this show because i cut a trailer mm -hmm. i don't know if you ever listened to the trailer for this before the episode started dropping i had four episodes in the bank uh, and so I had to go through and I just grabbed a couple of sound bites to make a 30 second thing and then just some free free range music to throw behind, which is what the intro and outro are now, mm -hmm. uh, royalty free stuff. And I was like, because I got a lot of comments like, this trailer is really good and put together well. And I was like, I, I'm the asshole to throw it together. It wasn't, uh, it was fun, like to try to make it make sense to take this four hours of content and boil it down to 30 seconds. Right. <laughs> It's 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 fun, man. Like I'm you talking about being a nerd. I a few years ago, um, when uh, now I'm not a, like a huge like Star Wars like fan, but when the trailer uh, came out for what was the first one in 2015, Force Awakens? Yeah. The trailer music was like powerful. Yeah. Like John Williams. Right. <laughs> like it wasn't too Star Warsy because it didn't do too many callbacks to like the original like Star Wars theme. Like it had enough sure, yeah. to where it was recognizable. Yeah. But it was super powerful, and I'm like, I bet you this is one of those scores that you could put to anything, and it's going to make it powerful. So, being the nerd I am, <laughs> I love the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. So I ripped the Shawshank Redemption from DVD into my computer cut my own trailer using the force awakens yeah. music <laughs> to it and i'm gonna i'm not gonna lie to you man like it turned out awesome you actually sent me that did i send it to yeah, you yeah because i I've, I've seen it and it does it was it as good as i think it was it is it's it insane not? how well it works it, it does because it, it, it's very uh it's 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 awesome uh what you should do is uh is go back to the phantom menace mm -hmm. duel of the fates is one of the greatest pieces of music Ever. Okay. Like it, it helps a lot because of like what's happening there and the story behind it. But Duel of the Fates is such a brilliant 
piece of music mm-hmm. uh, and it's used so well there there's like there's more nuance to it than what's happening on screen it's all of like what's not being said that's way if you're a star wars nerd okay like if you're just casually watching it, you're not going to get any of it but it's it, it still stands up as just an amazing piece uh, on its own you should definitely I, look into challenge that. accepted i will do something like that and you know ties into like you ever think of something and it doesn't have to be music related necessarily and you think I got it I just came up with the most unique idea and it's awesome and then you yeah. find out that somebody already came up with it and you're like what yeah. the hell so again not a huge fan of the band but the used sure has a song called the bird and the worm yeah and the instrumental version is epic I mean it's fine with the vocals too mm-hmm. but the instrumental version guitar drums orchestra like hits like it's a big like kind of uh reason i went that route with evolution like i was inspired very much by that song with layering it with those yeah. timpanis and those strings and the chorus just to like make it like really epic yeah which by the way i like i love i i love listening to no disrespect randy i love your voice but i love listening to that song instrumental yeah. like that chorus is just like so like huge it's actually funny you mentioned that uh also no disrespect to randy love you randy but when I started this podcast, I was like, my first thought was I already have music that I've written that I should be able to use. Uh, and then I was like, if I could get that track uh, without vocals, because mm-hmm. I don't want vo- I don't want to have music with vocals. I feel like that's too distracting. But I'd love uh, for my solo episodes to do an underlayer mm-hmm. of just instrumental, just to kind of keep it you know moving, and so it's not just dead air with one person. Yeah, and I was like, that song would be perfect for that. Yeah, so I fi- come to find out that they used the song in the trailer for like the remake of Clash of the Titans or some shit, oh, and really? I was like, what? Yeah, so disappointed. Yeah, it would have been nice. So, but anyways, so that you know that pretty much brings me up to around the time. I met you guys. So say that was 2005. Yep. And yep. I think 2008 is when we recorded our second album. Yeah. And you were working at a, I'm, gonna, I'm air quoting, studio. studio. <laughs> yep. Hey, out, of a, out, of, out of a basement. Um, you know, first time I met you guys. Um, and, you know, without going like, that could be a whole episode in itself. But it turned out really well considering how unprepared all of us probably were. It was one of my first times really spearheading like yeah. someone's album like on their own. But compared to how prepared we were for the last dude. album, that is insane that that album was ever recorded. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it turned out fairly good. And like when we did the second one, um, uh, The Angel on the Marble, it's, it's out there somewhere. Everybody go listen to it. It's really good. Um, you know, we. I was like, well, if we're going to do this, like, let's do it. Like, we, you know, I had the time, you know, yeah. I didn't have kids or anything. So I was like, let's really, like, go for it. So, you know, we pre did pre-production. I had Randy come over and, like, we did vocal comps in my freaking yeah. closet at the townhouse. Um, and I love the way we did it. Like, you know, because you and Jay lock in so well with each other. Also, I what you were saying earlier about, like, those magic moments when we recorded... We did it on the second album also, but when we did Angel and the Marble, which is our third album, him and I record together, mm-hmm. and which is not usually done. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it can be done, and it, but like usually you'd have the drums go first, but we knocked both of them out in one weekend. Yep. And what I, I love about that is because Jay and I play different every time we play a song. Yeah. And there's so much nuance that made it onto the album 
that wasn't written that way uh-huh. that I absolutely love. Because even when we play it live, like we, you play with us, we tweak things on the fly. Sure. Not enough to ruin everybody else's experience. Right. But just because we're, we're free flowers. Right. <laughs> well, the great thing about it, too, was like, I love the approach that we took in it in the sense that it was important for me to like, because I like genuinely thought like, you, know, you guys are like really good. And the songs, like, had such potential. I'm like, God, we, we got to, like, make this as great as possible. And, like, I knew we didn't have, like, a huge budget or anything like that. Because yeah. um, we, I mean, we spent a lot of time, like, at my townhouse doing shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I love that we treated each part as, like, its own part. Meaning, like, with your bass, remember, we had, we got that bass emulator out. Yep. Dude, we used a different tone and sound for yeah. every song. It was it, it was very different, uh, and you'll be able to speak to this too because uh, just my own self awareness, like if you would have when you first met me versus to what happened after to that album, mm-hmm. like I was very stubborn in the beginning. I wanted it to be a certain way. Yep. I was very I had a lot of ownership to at least my piece of this, and I did not want to bend or hear anything. Uh, and then I was <laughs> luckily I evolved and was like, okay, this makes sense. Everybody wants it to be as good as it possibly can. Let's try it. And then, yeah, we brought a couple of different bases. You're right. We did a lot of layering, like a ton of... When I, I still have the drum and bass stuff. Like yeah, I listen to like the, the triplets were something that was done on the fly uh, in that one song. Uh, I don't remember the name of any of the songs anymore. But like I did the triplets in that one song, and you can hear them so well. You can't hear them on the album, but I know they're there. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I can't even believe I played that. Like, there's no way that that's even possible. Yeah, no, they, it turned out it turned out great. And what's great is, like, you know, same thing we did, like, with guy. And you guys were, to your point about, like, the first or second, however you want to term it, the first <laughs> one we did together, which was sure, your second. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're being a little bit more, like, stubborn on the ownership. You guys without really calling me it, you guys let me kind of play the role of producer, which I had yeah. never really done. And I mean, there were, I think the one guitar part on like Infectious, that was my idea to add with, the, with the, the octave and everything. And, yeah. and again, it was so cool because Guy wasn't like, no, you know, yeah. this is my part. Like, he was like, yeah, dude, cool. Um, you know, when we got in with, and the, the, the important thing that I want to do with Randy too is like, I wanted to make sure Randy got his time because like, you know, a lot of time was spent on guitars and bass and drums. And yeah. Randy did a Randy did a lot of the, the vocals at my townhouse. Actually, yeah. if you if you remember, to help save money, Eric sent me home with like his like really nice like two thousand dollars Sony mic. Yeah, and his um, um, whatever you call it, a drive for it. And um, we did most of it. So, but when we went back, Eric really went out of his way to like help him because I I remember when we were doing infectious and he's like mm, let's try this for like harmonies right and Randy did one and we're all like in the room looking at each other like that sounds horrible but when he m- put them together yeah it was like holy shit yeah like because in you know in our minds a harmony is like just going like from one octave to the next octave right but in Eric's mind, who's like a musical genius, it's not about just going from like a C1 to a C2. There's notes in between that go with each right. other. Yeah. And uh, like, dude, I remember hearing that for the first time and it was just like, oh my God, this is going to be awesome. Yeah. And it turned out, I mean, we didn't even have to spend that much time mixing it. Yeah. I mean, well, we were so dialed in. Like, 
just on our own in that year house, we recorded every song. We drilled it so. Oh, you and, dude, you and Jay knocked most of the songs out in one take. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a testament to how good Jay is. I just keep up with him. Yeah. Well, no, you guys, you guys just, you have that thing I was talking about. Like, you just locked in. It's weird now because, like, I went and saw him in Colorado for a couple months a few years ago, and I brought the Eden out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and him and I hadn't played in probably 10 years. And just ripped it apart. Yeah. Like, nothing, no time had passed. He has, there's a couple of guys out there, Orca. Uh, and, oh, damn, I feel like an asshole. I forget Buddy's name. But he's an amazing songwriter, also. What a dick I am. But they showed us a couple, or showed me a couple of their songs, and I was, and like, they fell in love with the bass parts that I threw in. And, like, we're just in, amazed at what Jay and, and you, I could do. Yeah, did you just do it. And, like, you know, Guy then did it better. Basically, he had a weekend to himself. Yeah. You know, but we layered the shit out of his guitars, which ultimately I love that we did because that's what brings us to Mark. basically. His name the, is Mark. The, Mark. Okay. There you go, Mark. <laughs> we didn't forget about you. Um, when you guys got the chance to play the Double Door, which was huge, yeah. like, um, the album sounded so great, but you know, guys like, well, dude, how in the hell are we gonna make it sound like that live? Like, we can't yeah. afford like to like haul a Pro Tools around with us playing the backing tracks, and that's Which when I would you, that I probably that's the hill I would have died on. Yeah, I then, don't like the. That's when uh, that's when you guys were like, you want to play guitar? Yeah, and I was like, me. And what I didn't think about, I was like, well, I mean, they have a point. I probably know these songs better than them at this point because <laughs> when you mix and stuff, yeah. it's the same song over and over. Right. So. But I mean, I took it pretty serious. I mean, I, I remember spending nights in my loft just playing along with it on my guitar. And like, right. I mean, I played very, like, just, I played all of Guy's basic, like. So it was just all rhythm. Rhythm power chord parts, yeah. you know. They were not exciting to look at on stage, so we're all just standing like a bunch of. No, but it was, it was, I'm glad I was able to do it because it really, like, allowed Guy to, like, focus on, like, the awesome parts that he wrote, like, the lead yeah. parts, with still having that, like, fill. Yeah. in there to like give it like a little bit broad shoulders you know what i mean yeah because usually i would fill like those parts out but it's it loses something yeah that i it took me a long time to understand yeah what it was losing because I, i'm i've always been a bit of a purist yeah which is just a fancy word of saying asshole now <laughs> organic man that's a new word uh, yeah no. organic that's it <laughs> no but it was awesome because the best part of this story is that you know the you know the the dead spider remember the spider in the studio i still have a picture of there was this really? massive fucking spider that we almost died when there was that uh, domestic dispute at the motel six i don't remember that <laughs> i don't remember that the, so there, there the was... first time we went down there me and jay stayed at my cousin's because mm-hmm. my cousin lives in congerville which we thought was closer until we drove there it yeah like i forget which time away. it was there was one time where we all stayed at like the Motel Six, yeah, yeah. and then it was the next time that I was like, "We're not doing that again." And then I got the yeah. room at like the Marriott or whatever. But <laughs> I say I remember probably keeping everybody up. Yeah, no. So we do all this. Like the album is awesome. It sounds fucking killer. You guys get a show at the Double Door. We play it, and then what happens? You guys fucking break up. Well, what the shit? So there's a there's a caveat <laughs> to that, and here's where we can no no disrespect, full disrespect this time. Uh, right after we finished the album, before, like, as we were building to the Double Door, Randy's like, oh, I'm going to move to uh, California. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Randy. 
Well, he ruins everything. Jesus, Randy. <laughs> no, but I, I think it, I mean, I think it was it was what it was. Uh, uh, it was the best time, like because once he decided that, then Jay decided also. Like, yeah, because uh, he went he went out to San Diego for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was also more. There was actually some turmoil at the time also. Uh, that I couldn't even specify at this point because I don't remember. Right. I just remember, like, we've always been in love, but there was still, like, you got four egos. Uh, you're going to bump heads once in a while. I mean, and I think stuff you guys like have that. decent content for, like, a VH1, like, you know, <laughs> Where Are They Now show or something like that. Uh, maybe if they did a whole Where Are They Now Oswego episode. Because yeah. then we'd cover, it could cover a whole episode. But I think it's still, I mean, it's still, you know, all joking aside, I, I I think it's something you guys could look back on and be proud of because, like, I, I genuinely know bullshit. Like, do from time to time listen to it from start to finish, and yeah. and even I'll throw my hand there and be like, dude, I'm proud of myself as well. Like, it yeah. turned out really good. I agree. Everybody that has ever heard it is like, oh, this is like a real album. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's Which, like it's got proper crazy. volume and yeah. like you know, it's mixed really well. It's performed really well. But I'm, I'm always. Like I said, I love it, and, I, and I'm proud of it, and, I, and it means a lot to me. But I'm always forward-thinking. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, after that... Well, actually, let's talk... I want to talk about a little bit before yeah. that first. Because that was 2010. Mm-hmm. But before that, uh, you had recorded a few albums on, on your own or with uh, past groups. Mm-hmm. Tell, I want to talk about those yeah. and that process. Yeah. So, you know, it was pretty much the same setup with both uh, my one buddy, Nathan... Um, who had, I had kind of like, not really played in the band with him, but we'd always jam together. And then, Is um, that the error side of caution? That's the only thing I can remember. No. So other side of caution would have been John. So he okay. was the guy who was in the first band. I was in high school okay. when I played bass and would tinker on drums. Yeah. Um, he's still active. He still plays. Um, and then, and then Giovanni, um, who him and I would like, again, kind of just, Jam together, so never really like. We played a show with you guys. We did. So I don't even know the name of that band. <laughs> I think we called ourselves There and Back, ah. we, but we were never like a band. Okay. But we came up with a name because yeah. we were going to do an album. And the really interesting thing about that album, and again, it's something I look back on and have so much more like proudness or however you want to term it for the process was I think they call it pride pride there you go proudness <laughs> proudness prideness um i was living in florida going yeah. to school for the audio engineering he was here in naperville now again this is 2003 ish so this is like before all the fancy technology i would record some songs on like you know piece of shit recorder yeah send them to him he would do the same send to me. And then I would sit on my keyboard that had like drum sounds on it and come up with a drum. We literally, he wrote five songs, I wrote five songs. I wrote the lyrics for my five songs, he wrote the lyrics for his five songs. Wow. But our songs were different, but blended well on the album. Like you can maybe listen and be like, that's totally a Dave song. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I come back home for what was considered like the equivalent of spring break for this school we rehearsed in my dad's garage for four days went down to eric recorded it in two wow so on my songs that i wrote i did the drums bass and guitars 
and there was a song called To Wear a Crown that Eric, of course, did the lead parts for. <laughs> yeah. Because like there, there was a lead part written, cool. and then like we were trying, and then he's like, well, let me see. And of course, he just does it in like 10 seconds. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, that figures. Um, and then on Gio's songs that he wrote, he did the guitars, the vocals. I think maybe on a couple of them, he did bass, and then I did drums and or bass and drums. Um, and we mixed it, and like, you know... I can't say we really like released it really. We sold it to some friends and yeah, got it out there. Sure. Um, but again, like for the fact that we basically did this remotely and remotely in 2003 remote terms, right. yeah. um, I think it's pretty amazing. Cause I mean, it sounds, it, I think it holds up to this day. It sounds really good. And then um, we had a chance to play a couple of shows. Um, uh, we played one at Frankie's Blue Room, I think, Baby in like 2005 um, and then we went kind of domicile for a while and then we decided to play that other show at uh, Rizzo's was it yeah yeah and uh, you know we got one of our buddies who played bass and just he learned the songs and did a couple covers you guys came up and did some with us so that was a fun night uh, yeah that was a fun night I didn't know that because that's a family business for Gio isn't it Oh, uh, so, well, so Rizzo's, the bar was owned by a different Rizzo, I guess, a okay. guy named Chuck, but he does own his own hair salon. Yeah, his hair uh, salon's pretty amazing, too. Yeah, shout out to hair salon. Yeah, Rizzo. he's still playing, too, because I remember just uh, last year he sent out a mass text to try to get a bunch of people over. Yep, yeah, he's, yeah he's, he still does, like, a lot of recording and stuff on his own, and, like, we try to get together, you know, but obviously, you know, I'm, with travel and work and stuff, it's hard for me to get over there. I wish I could more, but... Um, him and I are actually going to see Royal Blood in September. I'm super excited oh, nice. about that. But and then the the album that I did with my buddy Nathan was very similar. So we did that. I think it was 2001. So it was like two years before me and Geo. And similar setup. We went over to my parents' house. We wrote like now he Nathan was a great songwriter. Very like rock blues. And what was cool yeah. about my drums for those songs is the drums for every song were like their own part it was like a guitar part yeah. it was very specific like okay i do this on the toms or i do this like rather than just like rocking out and right. playing like a straight yeah. up beat um same thing yeah, we went there and recorded it in like two days so i recorded three times with eric in wow. three years and then kind of didn't do much with anything and then when i started working with you guys that's when i'm like i got just the guy you know, yeah, let's, let's go see him. And I'm glad we did. And I, I still, uh, you know, he's he's still going strong, man. He's, yeah, he's doing amazing things down there. Also, he's, he's got so many different kinds of projects. Like it's really cool. He is. But people go, like I said, people go for him. Yeah. He's just like, he's easygoing. He can make your sound song sound so much better. Yeah, it's a t it's a tough thing to kind of let, you, especially like when you're in a band sometimes. Especially when you're young, like as you grow, hopefully you evolve, but you consider it your thing. Like for our band, we each just did what we did. And so you feel that ownership to that and it's tight. Mm -hmm. So like, cause then when you came in and you can do anything that the rest of us can do, except for Randy. <laughs> right, of course, not even close. <laughs> yeah, but you can play guitar, you can play bass, you can play drums and you can write them all coherently. And cause you, all the songs you write, cause then years later we started working on your songs are commercial friendly very and i don't mean that as an insult by Not any at means, all but they're structured in such a way that they make sense 
They're easy to listen to, like, and they're good. Catchy, yeah. Yeah, they're I, catchy. I'm all about, I mean, there's a couple of songs that I wrote that in my head have complexities to them, but, not, but like, you know, when I listen to, the, like, the parts like you and Jay, like, your guys' parts, like, are very complex in the way, like, do you know what I mean? Like, Jay, like, every one of those songs, like, Jay had, like, a part. Yeah. It was very specific. He almost writes lead drums <laughs> exactly no that's the best way to do it or even yeah. like your bass like you know if you took like my drums from like one of the songs i play it's gonna take you a good five ten seconds to figure out what song i'm playing because it's probably just do, da, do, do, yeah. da, do, do, do. but i could take any of your bass songs from any of the songs or any of his drum parts and within three seconds know exactly what yeah. song it is <laughs> so if we fast forward then from because we're kind of we're we're mementoing this, taking pieces yes, and plugging them in. I love it. Uh, after the, our last album in 2010, and then uh, Randy telling us he hates us, and then Jay following suit and hating us, me, you, and Guy continued to make... Well, it was a couple of years. Uh, I think we finally... We came, oh, your wedding. We came together at yep. your wedding, uh, and that's when we're like, we should kick some stuff around. Yeah. And we actually did, because that's it's the musician's curse. Anytime you see another music, it's like, oh, we should do some stuff. Totally. And then you don't. <laughs> yeah. But then we, it took a while, but yeah. we finally did. And it was, it was cool because it was like, there was a f familiar feeling, but it was totally different. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, we all got to kind of like maybe do something a little bit different we wouldn't have done in like our other bands. You're like, yeah. Because from my standpoint, I had been doing so many things on my own. Like, I was playing drums in my own bass parts, which weren't really bass parts. It was just yeah. following along the guitar. Right. So, playing with you was cool because it's like, okay, well, he's playing, like, an actual, like, bass part that I could, like, <laughs> emulate. And it's it's funny because as a bass player, albeit a very, like, you know, middle-of-the-road one, I still know when you're going to do things. So, like, on a lot yeah. of the songs when I would do, like you know, like a double tap or a triplet on the kick or like whatever. It's like it went, it coincided with what you were doing without us even planning it. It's, that's what I, that's that magic of playing with other good musicians when you connect. I can only think of that as a spiritual level mm -hmm. because like I don't, I'm not classically trained. So I don't know if that's just how music is written. But like when you're playing, I know where the drums are going to go on something we've, we're just jamming. We've never talked about or thought of. Uh, and I and vice versa, like you just feel where it's gonna go, mm -hmm. and when you're locked in, you're locked in. Absolutely, uh, it's insane. And we sometimes we would play songs with each other, and a lot of them were just jams, right? Yeah. And but we would, it's well, like none of us were writers, right? All three of us <laughs> know exactly like where to change or where to slow down or where yeah. to end, like you know. But after working it's together, it's almost for like so we long, lucked into all of our songs. <laughs> yeah, because we don't. None of us are writers or no. good at like we're not musicians. And Jay and I would jam on a part, and then Guy would fill it in, and we were like, we just managed to get lucky like 30 times. Yeah, I mean, like, the some of the songs we used, like, of mine were either, like, ones I wrote with Brett, yeah. who was, like, a five-year-old kid who I gave drum lessons to, yeah. um, or they were just some, maybe some of the songs that I had written on my own and never, like, did anything with. Yeah, some of those are still my favorite, too. Like, that's what I was saying earlier too about always looking forward like when we were playing because we had Jillian with us for a short while also because mm -hmm. I used to play with uh, Jillian Johnson uh, man and she was incredible and I always wanted a female vocalist that didn't pan out but it, 
for that little while when we were doing that, we got some cool recordings. Yeah, and we stole one of her songs too. Thank you. Thanks, sorry, Julian. We did steal one of her songs. Yeah. She doesn't know that yet. Yeah. So, surprise! <laughs> hey. Um, but no, she did. Like, she wrote some cool song. Like, and like, and it was cool because we were all a little different. Yeah. You know, like I'm more like you said, kind of just like straightforward, like rock. She had kind of more of that, like kind of indie buzz. You know, <laughs> so Indian hurts. I love you, Jill, but you know, so Indian hurts. You know, you had like a very like you know you weren't just like there's bass players and there's bass players. Right. Do you know what I mean? Sure. You're more like in the lines of like Giddy Lee or like Les Claypool. Like you're actually yeah. playing the bass. Yeah. Or like the guy from Muse. Like you know, I mean, they're kind of a commercial band and everything, but. His bass lines are anything but bass lines. Yeah. They're lead parts. Well, it's, it's a lot of that stuff goes under the radar until you're really paying attention to mm-hmm. it. Like, even something as simple as You Ought to Know by Alanis Morissette yeah. is such an iconic song. Listen to the bass line. Holy shit. <laughs> the bass line is insane. Also, Flea does the bass line on the album. And, really? Yeah. And it is that. ridiculous. And when you listen to it, you'll be like, there's no reason the bass line has to be this. <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, it's funny you say that because, like, sometimes until you hear, um, you know, you know another person who goes sometimes uh, unnoticed is Nirvana when Butch Vig released some of the stuff of him, like, stripping down the Nirvana tracks yeah. to show, like, again, how um, Chris Novoselic and Dave Grohl locked in together. Mm-hmm. Some of Chris's bass lines were, like, really great. Yeah. But they, you know, they they were there. I'm not saying they were buried in the mix, but you're... Your focus is on Kurt's voice right, and like yeah. the, the the overall tone. Well, of the there's song. an important lesson you hope all musicians learn is that any asshole can play flashy and you can learn to do all these crazy things, but you have to play for the song. Serve the song, exactly, dude. That's why I love Dave Grohl, man. Like he was talking uh, about Nevermind, and he was like, "I didn't do a whole bunch of fills. I didn't do yeah. like I kept it really simple. Right. Like, and that's exactly I think that's why right. it feels." big <laughs> yeah that's dude i mean you think about some of the most iconic bands in the world and two of them being one of the ones we just talked about i mean nirvana the beatles right yeah we could whether you like them or not the argument can be made that both of them in their own right had a big impact on changing music sure and when you listen to the songs they're not complex not yeah not they're very all. easy to play yeah but what does that mean i mean you got bands like dream theater sure by all means they're successful and stuff but like that's some complex shit yeah absolutely doesn't necessarily mean that it's better than i mean like some of the best songs are three chords right yeah. and like super simple to play a lot of songs i listen to a lot of punk rock some of them are only a minute long yeah <laughs> and they're like my favorite songs of all time. absolutely which is that's why i like it as art yeah because there's no there's no rules and that's one of the things I like about it is like there's a space for so many different things, mm-hmm. and all of it can be incredible in, in in just what it is. Yeah. Have you noticed one thing I wanted to bring up with music? Um, you know, I watch a lot of YouTube. I for whatever reason I can't seem to focus on like TV or movies anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so YouTube for me is like it's short. Yeah. I can jump from one thing to the other. And I also watch, like, I try and have it serve as more of an educational than an entertainment thing. Like, like don't judge me. Like, I'll watch, like, I've become a fascinated with aviation. Yeah. Um, 
sometimes like Harvard posts class on like quantum mechanics and I'll watch it for like Man, 30 minutes. I get lost in quantum mechanics all day. <laughs> you, like it's, it's fascinating. And then I'm not sitting here saying that I understand it, but like, it's just fascinating to like, just listen to. And you're like, wow, yeah. there's some crazy shit out there to yeah. learn. But, um, you know, one of the things that I like to do is like watch live performances and, and bands and, I've noticed a lot of, they're not all, but I, I've never been a huge Metallica fan. Never seen them live, but I can say, based on the footage, that uh, they're sounding almost better than ever. Yeah. And they're like 60. That's true. Yeah. Um, there was another, a, a lot of bands who are older now seem to be sounding better than they've ever sounded. Yeah. I wouldn't, like... I think it's because, I think it's, I presume, because you you know what works and doesn't work yeah. anymore, right? And when you're young, it's it's a little raw, a little sloppier. Yeah, they also probably you got to figure you probably were less sober. Yeah, true story. <laughs> and now you're probably a lot cleaner. You're focused on the performance, not the lifestyle. Yeah, and you know it might be too that they're like really relishing in the fact that they're the last of a dying breed. I mean, you know, I I, I don't follow sports all that much, um, but like you look at football and like you look at like. For the last 20 years, there's been, like, these, like, court, you know, Drew Brees and Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and Philip Rivers, like, Ben Roethlisberger. They're all gone, with the exception of one. Like, yeah. it's at the end of an era. And the same thing is kind of happening in the movies. Like, the Brad Pitts and Tom Cruises are getting older. The Metallicas and ACDCs and, like, are yeah. getting... And I honestly think it's the start of a, a new era in the sense that I don't know that those stadium selling big bands are gonna exist again everything seems yeah. so much more short-lived i like you're huge yeah. for a while i welcome it i welcome it because i hate stadium shows uh just because i don't uh, watching them is fine because they the sound is great right there's not good well, i don't like stadium. stadium shows either i'm just sure. saying like the idea like I don't understand the whole like Taylor Swift thing. Like, no disrespect. Like, dude, she's. I understand it in the sense that people are willing to pay money for it and good on them. Right. They enjoy it. Awesome. But my question is, is I'll be curious to see where it's at in 20 years. I think it'll be the same because 20 years ago, you could just plug in a different name Pink or Lady Gaga or. Britney Spears, yeah, New Kids on the Block. If you want to keep going back, there's always going to be stadium shows. Yeah, but I think rock bands will not be the selling point anymore. No, because no. I think that's going away. That's going away. But I also, to an extent, I feel like that's a double-edged sword because it make to me it makes sense for pop stars because they have to. It's more universal, so they yeah. need this big area. Also, it's a show. It's entertainment. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, the shitty sound that I might complain about doesn't necessarily matter. Right. When you spend 50 show. bucks to sit up in the nosebleeds and can barely see anybody, like, you're still a part of the experience. Mm-hmm. I've done that with, like, WrestleMania shows or wrestling shows. You're, it's still amazing to be there. Yeah, you're the there energy. for the experience. But yeah. I wanna, when I go to a show, I want to be right up next to, like, Reggie's is one of my favorite places. Yeah. Uh, we played Reggie's a couple times, but, like... When you're getting sweat on by the lead singer and yeah. like you're right there and you, like you're in it, I gotta think that that's more of what the artistry is 
going back to. Yeah. Because you don't, you don't see even the contracts are different now. You're not necessarily signing X amount of albums to X label because mm-hmm. everybody can do everything themselves now. Uh, or you're selling an album already done and be like, hey, do you want just for distribution? Yeah. So you don't have all the contract stuff behind the scenes where it's like, here's where you're going to play. We're booking your shows. This is where you're going to go. This is what it costs for them to book you. And, and here's an advance on money to get there. Now it's you. Everything is already done prehand. And I feel like you have more hands, uh, your own hands in it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's a, I hope it's a better thing. I don't, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I, to your point, I would much rather see, you know, if I had my choice to see one of my favorite bands, it would be like the Vic or the Riff yeah. or oh, yeah. the Metro versus, you know, even if I had a good seat versus right. Soldier Field or United yeah. Center or well, something like that. Well, all those places you said don't even have seats. That's why they're awesome. Right. It's, it's, it's more about, yeah, the experience of buying. But there's a definite distinguish between, I don't want to say that an entertainer isn't an artist, but there's the artist and there's yeah. the entertainer, right? Uh, I'm just, I'm not saying they're separate and they can't have qualities sure. of each other, but one person's job is like the rock band is getting up there with the instruments is just playing. It's yeah. got very little to do with what they're wearing, the lights, the show. I mean, some of them put on a show, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas, you know, like if you go and see Dredge live, like right. nothing fancy about it, but yeah. it is fancy because the fucking artistry of their musicianship is awesome. Right. And you can taste the pretension. Yeah. But. In the air. And when somebody like Taylor Swift or whoever goes up, not to say that it wouldn't work, but if she went into Soldier Field and just went on stage with a guitar, yeah, I'm sure people would still love it. But and that was it, right? It wouldn't be the same, yeah, because it's the show. She right? had to pull a John Mayer where he opened for himself exactly. with an acoustic set. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. It'll, it'll be interesting to see see where things go. It's like you yeah. know, these days though, everybody listens to songs, not albums, right? And I which. Again, same thing. Like it's so streamlined to what your experience that you want, uh, you know. And I like the pageantry of a Taylor Swift or any pop musician. I, I genuinely love Pink, just in general. She's amazing. Yeah, no, she's she's a cool person. Plus, she does stuff with uh, Dallas Green, who I also love. They man, if you haven't heard that stuff, yeah, it's so good. Shoot me a text. I'd love to check it but out. But they're even something like I love the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And even them, they're, they're a stadium band. Yeah. And, yeah. like, the tickets, uh, shitty tickets are a 1000 bucks. That's crazy. And, like, that is insane to think about. Like, I, I've seen them at Lollapalooza. Or not Lollapalooza. I've seen them on their own tour before uh, at the place where they have Lollapalooza. And it was, like, 30 bucks. Not even for lawn seats, just for actual seats. Speaking of Alanis Morissette, she's playing at, like, I want to say it's like the DuPage County Fair. Yeah, that's or awesome. something. And it's like 95 bucks, though. That's insane. But, like, I think it, there's probably value there. Right. It's going to be more intimate, for sure. Yeah. And to see somebody, like... Because I feel like, stereotypically, when you hear about people at a state fair, your first thought is like, oh, I guess they're done. Stereotypically. Sure, yeah. But realistically, I think that's amazing. <laughs> well, what most people don't realize is, for the, for the artist, it's actually better yeah it's probably more profitable the, the revenue might be less but the yeah. profit's greater because it's not well first of all you're not paying the fees at a place like the united center for all the sure. staff and yeah. 
police to do the right. parking and but that. Usually, the you know the company that backs you is paying all that. It's coming out of your bottom yeah, line. Yeah, but sure, I mean, but. you you play like just like a fair or something. I mean, there's a lot less overhead yeah. involved, and it's you know it's easier to get in, get out. Like you know, yeah, not as true. much logistics involved with it, but. Yeah, it's it's you know it's interesting because like music, there's there's so much music out there, man. Like I, you know, I have I don't know what you use. Uh, a lot of people use Spotify. I use YouTube Music, yeah. um, but they're all generally the same. They have you know built-in AI that tracks your listening habits and yeah. like suggests stuff to you. And like, it's like it's almost overwhelming, like how much stuff there is out there. It it is. I love it too because I have eccentric tastes. Like I listen to so many different things. So I feel like my AI robot is like spending a lot of time crying, or he's excited because whatever I throw at this dickhead, he's gonna love. So, but I, there's, man, I agree. There's so much. I use Amazon Music just because uh, I'm a Prime member, so it's cheaper. Yeah, I but have it too. It, yeah, it's all the. So same what? Thing. What? Give me one as of late that's been kind of like when you found yourself really getting into. Uh, there's a band called Reverend Peyton's Big Damn Band. Okay. And they're the most incredible thing I've ever heard. I will check it out. But he plays like a 1914 guitar. It's not, it's not even, it's got no electronics in it. <laughs> it's just this old guitar. His wife plays the washboard and they have a drummer. And he's got it tuned and he plays a particular style where he's bass lining with the top two strings and then playing the guitar. He does a pick, picking style that he's giving you a bass line and the guitar on one instrument. And it is insane. And they're the like happiest, funnest songs uh, that you've ever heard. <laughs> you have to type that to me. That sounds awesome. It, it, I wish I could play it on the show just because like I, everybody go listen to Reverend Peyton's big damn band. Like while I love the AI, the like the stuff that it suggests to you. Unfortunately, what ends up happening is you've got to get like the same suggest the same color in different shades. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like. It That's where it gets frustrating for me too, is because I have eclectic taste. I I don't want to just hear the same kind of right. Thing. It's like, oh, here's a band that sounds like the band you just listened yeah. to. Like I get what it's doing, and I'm I like it. There's there's this one band that's I guess you consider it like punk rock. They're called Radkey. Um, yeah. It's three brothers, and like it's just it's super simple. But then there's been like a lot of like other stuff that I've been listening to, like I like Metric and. Um, there was some other band with like a girl lead singer because like I, I like you I was always like into like the whether it was a girl like the Subways with the girl bass player yeah. big reason I liked the Pixies because Kim Deal like was a big part of it um, even the Pumpkins obviously had like the girl bass player but yeah White there's, Zombie there, yeah there's, there's so much uh, yeah R.I.P. her and R.I.P. Uh, she passed away Sean you still passed away did you, wait who'd you say again White Zombie I'm sorry, I thought, I'm thinking of Cranberries. Oh, yeah, Dolores passed You away. said White Zombie, I went to Zombie. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 my hey, there's a correlation went, there. <laughs> yeah, you like that? It's, it's because Sinead O'Connor just passed away. Yeah, was which is, was, that. Uh, that was real uh, unfortunate. Because I didn't realize her son just passed away. Yeah, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, man, it just goes to show you, like, you could have fame and yeah, Nobody's immune. And not at all. And, and nothing, nothing is bringing happiness outside of yourself. Yep. Like, and change changes like the big like we were talking about like aging earlier and stuff and yeah. like you know for the like for the first time ever my dad like I've noticed he's aged yeah do you know what I mean like so for years he was pretty much dad right. he was the same yeah sure. maybe his hair was a little gray or maybe his 
potbelly was a little bigger, but like <laughs> right. he was dad. But like for the first time, it's like wow, I'm really noticing like him slowing down or changing. It's like it's crazy, like yeah. how like you kind of just think they're like untouchable and like invisible, yeah. and nothing's gonna happen. And there's definitely usually like a notice though where you're like, oh okay, this is an old person now. Yeah, it's it's weird. Cause, you know, because with my mom, like it was way different. My mom had MS and diabetes since she was forty. Right. So like. In my head, I had been mentally preparing for years, if, accepting the fact that she's not going to live till she's 80 or 90. Right. Um, you know, it's it is what it is, and made the best of it. So, like when it did happen, like it was very peaceful and kind of almost what I had hoped slash expected. Yeah, of course, not what I wanted, but sure. but you know, I, but I think unfortunately, it's a big reason why my dad is aging the way he is because like he used to be like her his like purpose like yeah. he was her caregiver and it kept him young and like active and everything like that Don't and like, have nothing to do now. yeah and yeah. like when you're retired you think retirement is like oh like but man it's when you have things to do but they're not anything that you have to do yeah it's a totally different ball game that's true and I love being lazy. <laughs> you know, like, my kids are at camp right now. Yeah. They got this opportunity to go to this camp for six weeks, technology-free. They have no phones. They're horseback riding, learning how to play drums, water skiing, doing all this stuff. And, you know, I have all the time in the world to, like, get stuff done. And same thing. It's like I'm finding myself being like, well, they're gone for six weeks. I'll do it next week. Yeah. <laughs> and then that week goes, and you're like, well, I still got five more. And then, like, before you know it, you're so like, you're oh, nice well. and stressed in your last week. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Well, luckily, in, in, in hindsight, I really don't have that much I have to get done because, like, you know, obviously, like, I rent, which I didn't think I would ever like to do, but I love it, especially with traveling for yeah. work. It just I'm a rare person. After owning a house also, I like the idea of renting. Yeah. I understand it's not for everybody. And right. For and sure, the financial implications, I understand the arguments people yeah, could make absolutely. about that. But, like, you know, at the end of the day, I watched, I watched a lot of my friends who, the majority of them are homeowners. And, like, honestly, like, it gives me anxiety because it's like they talk about having to get, like, their driveway resealed and, like, their, yeah. their lawn tree. I'm like, ugh. Well, the AC goes out or the yeah, heater. Like, all these big things. So many other things I'd rather, like, focus my time on. Yeah. I like the idea of just being able to, like, pick up the phone and be like, hey, Come, come fix your place. Yeah, exactly. You know, but it's, it's I think it's a matter of finding the right place because you could definitely get in a situation where you yeah. rent and you get totally screwed. Absolutely. That's true. I mean, uh, yeah, we're out in the middle of Naperville right now. I'm, yeah. I'm, I, I mean, I don't even want to know what a place like this runs. Yeah, it's not, it's, it's, you know, it's not cheap, but, you know, when, when people try to make the argument of, like, well, you know, you could own a place for what you're paying. It's like, well, yeah. you know, yeah. I would have to put down like $85,000 in order right. to get to my payment to that. So it's yeah. like, and $85,000 is like Also, five tell years me about the taxes. Of, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Are you counting the taxes yeah, that they charge right. around here? Because right. I don't have to pay that. Like, it's all worked into the same price. Yeah, which makes sense. So speaking of aging, and you just mentioned your kids, mm -hmm. let's talk about your little family yes so uh as i'd already alluded to i was at your wedding yes sir you did a dance routine mm -hmm, uh, i did because your ex-wife is an amazing dancer mm -hmm. actually she's an amazing person i don't have anything I, would, I haven't talked to her in forever but she's awesome yeah she's a big reason the girls are at the camp right now so yeah but life is life and you had mentioned something to me years and years ago uh probably when your kids were or when your daughter was born uh, oh, or no, it was after you guys had uh, gotten divorced about mm -hmm. just how uh, you feel like you, you got what you were looking for in mm -hmm. a family. 
Mm-hmm. And I thought I it was very uh, it was something that hit me hard because I'm I'm not anti family or I'm not anti marriage and I'm not anti kids. It's just not a thing for me. Sure. Uh, just uh, for whatever reason, uh, mostly being a horrible person. But wow. <laughs> how has that changed everything? Because uh, you've always been on your own. Yeah. Like, I, I never even knew you, you had a girlfriend <laughs> at the time I've known you. Mm-hmm. Because it's just like, it never comes up or anything. I don't feel like you're a private person, per se. You just don't, you just don't talk about yourself. Yeah. Unless somebody asks. No, I mean, when we, you know, when you and I, before we started doing this, and we were talking about, uh, you know, the kids and, like, how I kind of said to you, like, years ago, where, you know, there's there's people who, you know, are married and choose not to have kids. Sure. And I respect that. Yeah. Um, I, I was just talking to a guy yesterday about about it. And, like, you know, I there's, who is it, Seth Rogen, famously, like, had an interview recently where he talked about not having kids and, people, I want to say people attack him, but like, I don't think he comes off as the kind of guy who's sitting there being like, I don't have kids and it's the greatest thing ever. You idiots who have kids. (laughs) Right. But for whatever reason, people like are like, Oh, that's selfish or like whatever. And I'm like, well, that's stupid. You know? Um, now at the same time, I, I found myself in a position where like, I almost like the dad role more than any other role. Like, so it's kind of like the polar opposite, but, um, you know, not to say that, you know, every parent is different, right? Yeah. There's, there's dads and or moms who like are married to their careers and they're doing it for good reason. They're building a nest egg for their kids or a college fund Absolutely. and yeah. like they're making a better life for their family. Um, I'm a very like engaged like parent. Like yeah. I... Like, kind of goes back to what we're talking about your life work balance in general yeah. is on purpose to be able to be engaging mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I like, I like, um, you know, and I got two girls, so like it's yeah. not like I have two sons that I'm like, you know, playing like football with or anything sure. like that, but like, I mean, one of them does have an electronic drum. We do have the drum set upstairs because <laughs> she's been playing, but you know, growing up when they were younger, like I was all about going to the American Girl doll store, yeah, I was all about voicing Barbies for them or like voicing dolls for them because like. You know, you have, even when they were younger and, you know, you get warnings from people like, oh man, you're about to have a kid, like, good luck, say goodbye to sleep. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Even when I hear that, I'm always like, it's what you want to put into it. Yeah. And how you deal, or how you feel about what's happening to you. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of try to make myself a promise from the start. It's like, okay, you got basically one shot at this yeah. like you know you got these kids and they're gonna grow up and then that's it right right so even like back in the day like because lucy my youngest man she is we used to call her loud face uh <laughs> she would just cry and yeah. like you know no reason we had her checked out like whatever and um i'd be at walmart she'd be screaming and like i could have gotten stressed out and like ran out of the store and like but i kind of just i mean I didn't just let her scream and like let it her like piss <laughs> sure. people off, but at yeah. the same time, I took it with a grain of salt because I I knew that in some weird way there was going to be a day where I was actually going to miss it. Sure, you know, yeah. Um, nobody likes changing the diaper, but I knew one day I was almost going to miss it. Yeah, like that's so, an incredible mindset though that I feel like is overlooked. That genuine gratitude of like knowing what you're getting is a gift. 
while you're getting it. Because mm-hmm. most of that is all retrospect, right? Yeah. Where it's like, oh, all of a sudden she's 10 and you're never going to change a diaper again and you just realized it. Yeah. You knew it when she was a baby. Yeah. Like, this is going to go away eventually. It's going to go away. And, the, you know, uh, when we talk about, like, cliches and stuff like that, like, generally, like, I'm not saying I'm against them, but there's one that I used to hear that couldn't be further from the truth, and it's the, they grow up so fast. Yeah. And my God, dude, like, like right now they're both at camp. They're 13 and 10, and, like, you know, the 13-year-old, like, is starting to have boyfriends. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> and it was, like, it literally feels like two years ago, like, they were six and four or three, whatever, like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it passes by so fast. So I'm doing my absolute best to be in the moment and, like, enjoy it. Now, it was hard to let them go to this camp. But, again, their mom had an opportunity uh, for them to go, you know, basically for free because it's, like, 13 grand per kid. Like, wow, it's a beautiful place. And it's, like, yeah. I couldn't pass that up. But, sure. Like, to, for them to get that experience, cool experience. dude, yeah. I mean, they're on the border of Canada and upstate New York. It's like, it's beautiful. That is awesome. I dropped them off. And, I, you know, I don't talk to them because they're technology-free, which I think at the end of the day is good. They sure. needed a break from that stuff. Yeah. Um, no complaints from them. Uh, but I see pictures that are uploaded every day. And, like, it's awesome, man. And, like, you know, yeah. There's going to be a day where I'm not going to have them anymore. Well, I mean, I'm trying to develop that relationship to where even when they are older and they have their own lives and their boyfriends or husbands or whatever, like, I'm still going to matter to them and, like, be a part of their life. Uh, Yeah. And, you know, like, you know, I try to make time for me. Like, you know, I have people in my life right now outside of my kids who are, are really important to me that I spend time with and, you know play a big role in my life but you know my my goal you know after the divorce was always like i'm just going to put the focus on them and getting them in the right direction and then did you have a similar kind of moment with wanting to co-parent as well yeah you know we do i'm i'm super grateful that like we're able to do it the way we do it we're i hate using the word unconventional because in my mind this is the way it should be right yeah, you co-parenting know, should exist. Like some things don't work out, and for some reason, we always think that there's a negative connotation. No, I and there shouldn't. There shouldn't be. Like, I get along with aside her family. from like a shitty situation that clearly is right. There's bad. there's people who you know have been through things. Yeah, put things through. But when you can amicably be like, hey, this isn't working out for whatever reason. Yeah. we don't have to pretend. I still like you as a person. Yeah, let's raise these kids still. <laughs> yeah, no, you know we uh, we live close to each other. Um, it's it's very like I said, don't like use the word, but unconventional. Like we don't follow. Like, you know, I could tell you one thing: I was never going to be the every other weekend dad. Right. It was never going to happen. Yeah. And she knew that. And um, you know, we don't really follow uh, schedule or per, whatever per se. It's like if I've got to travel for work or I got something that comes up that I want to do or whatever, you know, she has them. If she's got something going on, she's got to work. Has something, right. I have them. And you it's know, almost her, like her, honest communication helps. You know, it's, <laughs> so people should people should try it. You know, yeah. Um, and you know, it's 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 better than the alternative. And you know, it's also um, you know my my dad loves being with them, and they, obviously having family around is always 
is always helpful. Sure. And it's filled a big void in his life because after losing my mom, like he loves having them around and it works for everybody, man. Like, but you know, whatever path anybody chooses, like I try and do my best to like respect it and like, you know, you never know what somebody else is going through or like why somebody makes a choice. Like maybe people aren't having kids because they, they physically can't. Maybe right. people aren't having them because they just don't want them. Right. Fair you enough. know, and that's cool. As long as those same people don't like try and make it sound like their situation is superior to yeah. yours. Well, everybody wants to gatekeep something, right? Right. And I don't understand why people do that, but some people are just assholes. Some people suck. That's Some a, people do suck. That is a motto that you I don't think suck. More people. I try not to. You don't suck. I mean, there's probably sucky things about me. <laughs> there's a difference, though. <laughs> like either, like I don't suck. I'm sucky. You like you, you could be a dick, but you're not a dick. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like there's a huge difference. I'm not a hundred percent an asshole. <laughs> no, no, not even close. Are you? So are you going to do one of these with Randy? Uh, I would like to. I think you should, Randy. Yeah. Do yeah, it. Randy. Randy, guy, you can do with a guy. I enjoyed your one with Jay. I enjoyed your one with Katie. I think I think it's awesome, man. I'm glad you're doing this. I think it's I think it's good for you too because like you were always you always liked to converse. Yeah, you know I'm that's a, what I'm I, a talker. That's what I liked about you. Like me and you always had like found things that like quite honestly, me and you could probably do like ten of these and yeah. like we could have our. I would love to. We'd we could, have our own show. We could have our own show. Dude. Yeah, like we could talk about because like honest to God, like we could go on a whole tangent about movies. That's true. When I because mean, I, I do love pop culture stuff like comic books and movies and music, and, but I don't want it to be part of this show, right? Other than like a casual graze. That's when but I would love to have a focused show of like uh, like if we were going to do it, I'd be like, all right, let's come up with six episodes, yeah, and we'll each bring an album and we'll do six episodes where I'll talk about an album, you'll talk about an album, and then we'll kind of dissect those over six episodes to just see if how that feels. That'd be awesome. That'd be so awesome. <laughs> That'd be super awesome. Yeah. Well, this right here was the birth of that. <laughs> it was. So remember, the people, when we're like you know a few years from now, and we have like this huge podcast. Like yeah. you were part of the. the I birth. think that part of that though too is because like I have an idea. Uh, if you listen to the episode I did with Annie, my friend Annie, at the end of it, we talk about doing our own show as well, and that's what I want. I want to build an empire, of empirical peapod, and have a bunch of shows under that banner. Uh, by various people, myself, like whatever I'm interested in as well, and kind of like just take over the world that way. Mm-hmm. Because everything, realistically, I think everything's going to have a shelf date. Like this idea was the kickoff, and I love this idea of talking to my friends, getting close to my friends, and maintaining these relationships uh, and, and having honest, free conversations. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that that's a forever kind of show. No. To whereas I've got, oh, there's a lot of other ideas, you know, and as I get better at this as well, hope, hopefully. <laughs> but, you know, you're, you're approaching this in a very smart business sense because if you go back, like, to when, like, the entrepreneur thing was becoming a big thing in, like, the 80s and 90s, yeah. it was always, like, if you're really going to be successful, you're, you're supposed to have multiple streams. Of, at the time, it was sure. income. Yeah. But... They're now applying it to like, like if you go to like a successful YouTuber, like whether it's who's that dude, Mr. Beast or whatever. Yeah. He doesn't have one channel. No. He has like five. Yeah. And each one of those is tailored to a specific audience. Right. And well, and that's where it gets too far in the weeds for me personally. I don't, because it's one of the things too is I'm at a point now where it's like, 
I've, the show's been successful enough in its first month where I've been offered an ad campaign <clears throat> and I can monetize and stuff now, finally, uh, which usually takes 60 days. Mm-hmm. And I did it in 30. But at the same time, I, I need to grow the audience outside of my friends listening. Mm-hmm. And that's what I don't, I don't like. I'd have to do the SEO. I'd have to start focusing ads. I'd have to start marketing and start really like on purpose tailoring things. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to do that because at least this main show, the crux of it is the exact opposite of all of that. Yeah. And that's where I kind of, where I'm like torn. I'm like, all right, what am I going to do? And what do I realistically want out of this? Right. Do you think people know how sexy we look versus sound? Like, do they know we're sitting in a room that's currently 80 degrees because we cut the air conditioning off to keep the background noise down? And, like, yeah. we sound like we're in, like, a nice, cool room, but in reality, like, we're both sweating oh, yeah. and, like, yeah. you know, total swamp ass and just sitting here, like, talking like we're king shit. Like, I love it. Now, before, I, I know we're going over time, uh, which is a good sign because, like, I feel like we've been talking for five minutes. Yeah, which is it's awesome. been almost an hour and a half. Yeah. yeah, which is crazy. It is. But... If you don't recall, two things really quick before we sign off. One, I think one day it would be absolutely fantastic if me, you, and the boys from AP could do, like, a discussion about, like, even just recording the album. Yeah. Like, I think it would be super cool to to kind of, like, bring that stuff back up. And then also, uh, I'm not even kidding you, so you guys have, like, a following at Jefferson Junior High in Naperville. <laughs> Like your music is played, it's on TikTok videos. Like, oh, with that's the, great. Yes. So I am not shitting you for her 16th birthday, which is only about two and a half years away. Yeah. She would absolutely love for us to play a show. So, Randy, Jay, like, get your shit together. <laughs> like, start relearning the songs. Me, you, and Guy could like rehearse. A, do that. How fun would that be? I think it would be super fun. Uh, I think it would. Be, I think it would be hard for me personally. Like you see, even when we jam, and you guys want to jam the old songs, they're just not in there anymore. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll get we'll we'll get we'll get them out of you. Not, well, because yeah, because you can listen to it and be like, here's what you're playing, or at least close enough where I'm like, I remember what I was. They're doing. a bunch of sixteen year olds. They're not gonna know the difference. That's true. Yeah. We'll just go in there and do a bunch of covers. And it'll, be, it'll be fantastic. I'll, I'll be like fifty by the time. It'll be fan- <laughs> it'll be fantastic. <laughs> Oh, that's sad because you'll be so close to 50. I really will be. Yeah, maybe it's not such a great idea. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think we'll still do it again. I think there's, I've still got at least one more run in me. I think it's just a matter of... Right now, it's literally just our schedules not lining up. Yeah. Uh, for me, you, and Guy, at least. I think sometimes you just need a reason. You know, I have a guitar that you can see over there yeah. in the corner. And had my daughter not been aesthetically writing me from camp saying how she learned the drums she played a freaking muse cover in front of the entire camp that's awesome um and uh, you know so i went out i got like a you know which by the way like electronic drum sets are so affordable now and yeah. i got the one upstairs and dude i've been banging away on it for the last like five days yeah you know and i feel like i should have been doing that for the last five years but <laughs> it just took me that one little reason to do it so yeah. sometimes you just need i'm telling you stuff would come back to you I think that. that's true. Well, plus, I've also left it and come back a lot. It's just at the moment not a focus. And it's only because since I work in Batavia, I live in DeKalb, yeah. our gear's in Yorkville. Like, doing it on a Monday is just, I can't drive from, I mean, I can, but DeKalb to Batavia to Yorkville back to DeKalb is a triangle 
of every Monday that sucks. <laughs> yeah. Like if, if it was on Friday, if that ever lines back up, because Friday usually I go to my sister's in Plano anyways, and she lives literally right by a guy. Oh, okay. Like I could practically see guy's house. <laughs> yeah. Well, watch. We'll set that up, and then God will be like, oh, I tell you I'm moving. I'm like, of course. He's gonna, he is eventually going to move. He is going to move. <laughs> God knows this show. It's just going to be me and you, some like a Pro yeah. Tools backing track. With, it's like, going to be Randy's you and old, me and a bunch of the Randy's junior high kids. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. It's going to be the old guys teaching uh, yeah, the kids. Hopefully we're not as sweaty as that as we are now. We're going to be. We will be. I work in a junior high. <laughs> I'm always sweaty and gross. We'll be like sweating in March. Yeah, I love it when the kids are like, "What? Why are you sweating?" I'm like, "Because I, I do." I'm right? Fat and it's hot. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's probably a good spot then. Yeah, we'll end it on good, good, sweaty foreheads and stuff. <laughs> yeah, we'll go we'll, wipe we'll ourselves off with some paper towels. Well, man. I'm super stoked that I kind of feel like I invited myself to do this a little bit because a, like, a few people hit me up afterwards and were like I'll do an episode. Yeah, I'm like oh, will you? <laughs> like uh, you know, I heard uh, you know your one with Jay was great and everything, but like you, honestly, your one with uh, your friend Katie really is the one that got me. Not that I didn't think that you know it's it's one thing to hear you and Jay converse because I've heard it before. Yeah, like I know your friends, sure. but I don't know this woman girl. Um, but you know, and I know you guys are friends, but like, yeah. you know, it's it just, you, you led a really good conversation and like, it was, it was just, I feel lucky for that was the first episode just because I mean, I absolutely adore Katie and, uh, her and I are like family close. Mm-hmm. So like, it was so easy if that wouldn't have been my experience. I don't know if I would have kept going Yeah, because her and I could do that. Like we've had conversations on the phone for like eight hours. Sure. Where it's just, like, her and I could have our own show and really get lost in the weeds. Yeah. And it would, we would absolutely love it. And I feel like listening to us talk, like, I don't know this is the episodes, but I, something about Katie's voice even is just so inviting and, like, I don't know how to describe it. It just feel it's just interesting to listen to her it talk. Is. I was, and again, like, with the you and Jay one, I listened to the whole thing and everything, but, like... With you and Katie, when like I forgot that I was listening to a podcast of somebody I know, yeah, I felt like I was listening to just a podcast that I was genuinely like interested in hearing. Yeah, you know, so and I put a lot of that on her just because she's amazing. Yeah, no, it was awesome. So once I heard that, I'm like, you know, what? I'm gonna text this dude and just be like, hey man, if you want <laughs> someone really, the, I have someone note, really I, interesting to talk. I have to. a notebook in my little th- carrying case here. What was that really though? A hundred percent. Awesome. Yeah, uh, everybody I knew is a, a couple have come up organically, but otherwise. I've miraculously stuck to the plan, which is the whole, I've never had a plan and then executed it. (laughs) I love, so, so the great thing is for, for those of you listening, when he got here, uh, I was, thought I was going to be running behind a little bit, but I got here a few minutes before him and he said, well, he's like, I'm one of two things. I'm either early or I don't show up. Yeah. (laughs) Those are my two modes. Which is great. There's not on time. There's not a little bit late. It's either early or not at all. Yeah. I've always like... (laughs) 15 to 30 minutes early, or I'm not coming. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But I, I don't bother anybody. I sit in my car and just yeah, do just, yeah. Just a lot of it, too, is like now that I've started doing these, I get anxiety before each one. Yeah. Because like before, it wasn't a thing. But now there's some out, and people are listening to them. And I'm like, oh, Christ. I don't prepare. Yeah, no. <laughs> and I'm, I'm glad you don't. And also, you know, for anyone else who might do this, like, to your point about like you know having a studio and like you know fancy mics with headphones and all that like it turns it into like too much of a formality and like you realize yeah. you're being recorded i love him and i are just sitting here on my couch 
with microphones clipped to our shirts that I didn't haven't even noticed this entire time. Right. Yeah. And we're just shooting the shit and Absolutely. having a conversation. Yeah. And it makes so it so much it's more not invasive open. whatsoever. And that was the goal is to keep it as convo focused as possible. I love it, dude. I love it too. Thanks for coming, man. I, I appreciate, appreciate you finding time, man. Thank you so Absolutely, much. Absolutely, dude. I look forward to doing it again. I can't wait to do it. Can't wait till we start our own show. It'll be it'll be epic. Remember, you heard it here first. <laughs> We're gonna go clean up our sweat. Yeah, finally. <laughs>